September is apparently we're very close to spring. <laughs> you don't, you don't, where is your faith? <laughs> oh, ye of little faith, do not fear. Yeah, have faith. September's coming. <laughs> yeah, it's cold, eh? It's cold, but uh, that is uh, coming. But uh, we are going to be doing this 21 days prayer, declare, grumble, fast. Uh, during September, and uh, I, I received something today of a 21-day grumble response to fasting, which we might just throw in with stuff. And the day one speaks about Psalm 100, that I enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. It's gratitude that we have, and that is so important. We moan, we moan, we moan, we moan, and then we say, oh, thank you, Lord, but we're full of grumble and stuff. So we're going to pray, and we're going to ask God to hear us for our community, for our city, and for our nation, and over our own lives. We speak these truths over us, and then we're going to declare truth relating to our marriages, relating to our finances, relating to our families, to relationships, to this church community over our city and the church as a whole, and then we're going to choose not to grumble. We're going to choose not to get caught up in the narrative of the world, you know. And, and I, I said something on the PowerPoint there before the meeting. You know, what we do is we, we hear something and the enemy wants to, all he's after is to cause you to doubt. He just wants you to doubt because then when you doubt, you ask a question. You're like, yeah, but is it? Is he really faithful? You know, but do they really know what they're doing there at the church? Do they really know? It's a question, you see. And then the question leads to presumption. And the presumptions bring about an assumption that you know what you're talking about and that I've got it right and now I understand it. But it was all from a lie that was feeding you to. And from the, the, the assumption and the presumption of stuff is that actually what happens in relationships, then you become suspicious of people because you're not trusting. So what did Farnas say last week? Isolation breaks down communication. You know, and we are. We've been separated, but isolation is a choice. Your heart can still be connected in. You see, to what we are doing and what we are carrying here and what we're walking through. You see, and it builds that thing in your mind. And before you know it, you're believing a lie and you're suspicious of people and you don't trust anybody. And you don't even trust God. That's what it comes down to. Just through a little doubt, a little question in your heart. It's so easy, folks. So we're going to journey in September. It's going to be beautiful. Um, through that, from the 6th to the 26th, and obviously on the WhatsApp, we will keep you in date, updated with everything. Okay, without further ado... This is the man. This is Errol's up today. It's going to be great to hear from him. He's noteless, I think. You, noteless? Okay, all right. That's fine. We love this guy. He went through a lot in December, January this last year. Ah, oh, there are the notes on the phone. And uh, we honor you. We praise God for you. Okay. Thank you. Yes, I was going to do this noteless, believe it or not. I can do it toothless as well. <laughs> I want to start off by saying good morning, everybody, but I just want to declare some things over us. The Lord is good and upright. Yep. Yes. Our shield, He is our protector. Yes. He is our shepherd. Yes. He is merciful and gracious. He's long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. He is good to all. The Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. The Lord is good and a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who trust in Him. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He is our provider, He's our helper, and He's our comforter. Now I can give you all the scripture references that goes with all of that. But today we've got to understand that God is constant, that God is consistent, that God is faithful. And that's what we're going to talk about today. That He's a faithful 
constant, consistent God. And I want to encourage you that as I stand here, I can tell you physically how things are with us as a family, and I can tell you where our finances are. I can tell you exactly where things seem like it is in the natural. But supernaturally, I want to tell you today that I'm standing on the word and the promises of God, that our God who is consistent and constant, he is more than faithful. And we live in that hope, not in this hope of what we see on earth here today. So there's a song that we sang earlier today, and I want to just read that line again. And it was such a beautiful hymn that we sang. Um, and it says, it is well with my soul. But it, it, it says something like this, that whatever my lot, whatever I'm going through right now, it has taught me to say, it is well with my soul. Amen. Yes. Amen. We sing that mostly at funerals, isn't it so? Yeah. And I kind of think it's a bit too late, to be very honest. <laughs> because absent with that body is to be with the yes. Lord. So you can't say it as well with your soul when you're at a funeral. We're going to sing it here and now that it is well with my soul. It's not a funeral song. It's a celebration of the fact that God is with us, that He is faithful, that He is the one. So. Kathleen and others, we love our definitions. So let's go there. So to be constant means to be occurring continuously over a period of time. You can always hear this with people you know. You can say, I can depend on so-and-so because he's constant and he's consistent. But there's a difference between the two. Consistency speaks about always acting or behaving the same way. So for example, the stop street will always be there. That's constant. You can't move that stop street. Unless the, the, the city of Cape Town comes and move it. But what the difference is that you will find out that consistently people will heal and use it as a yield sign. So it's the character of what we do. And so God is faithful in his what? In his understanding of that I am constant, but I'm also consistent in what I do and how I do. You just said this so well, and, and, it's, and it's actually part of what I wanted to share this morning. We know that summer, spring, autumn, winter, the seasons will come. It's consistent, consistent in every way. And God is aware that because of seasons in the natural, that there's also seasons supernaturally. And so I want to share a, a scripture. It's quite a lengthy one to read for this morning. So if you've got your Bibles with me, let's go to Ecclesiastes. And we go with 11, verse 1. And it's a familiar scripture. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 1. I'll give you time. It's in the New Testament for don't, those who don't know who it is. <laughs> Just one. It's a long scripture, I said. It's a very long one. Yeah, so, ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you may receive a return. The other word we know is cast your grain across the sea. After many days, you may receive a return and you will find it is another difference. That's it. This scripture has many interpretations, and I want to say this from the understanding that today is not about an interpretation, it's about a revelation of the mm -hmm. word of God. So I've read, it, I read what the theologians said about this particular scripture. I've read what commentaries have said, and there are different versions to it. And I want to give a few, because we've read it as, Cast your bread upon the waters, and after many days you'll find it. So if you think of me, if I'm casting, and I'm maybe 
fishing and I cast something, it's to throw it in the water. If you and speak to fishermen, they say, no, you know, casting is taking something, putting it on the ship, and taking it off. That's casting. Then I'm like, okay. But what did the, the writer intend there? It says here, ship your grain across the sea. But the word grain there is not just uh, in terms of granules and grain. In actual fact, the reference there is bread. So we've heard a sermon a few weeks ago about seed, time, and harvest. Now what happens is we've sown, and that's the seed. We've given it some time, and we see a harvest. I want to talk about what happens after that harvest. What is God preparing us for? What is, what is he saying after this? Because you must understand there are two clear directives in terms of what, and I've preached on this a while back, that we run our lives with. The first directive is time. Everything we do is around time. What time is it now? Where do I need to go? I have certain time on earth. Ecclesiastes and the word of God speaks that there is a time for everything, a time to live and a time to die. Everything we do around this life is around the time that we spend on earth, time with each other, quality time, whether it's Ackerman's quality or Woolworth's quality, it's still time. And so time becomes a commodity that can turn into money according to some people. Time is money for some, but it's also time you can't get back from others. Listen to what God is doing in the, on the earth. We are looking at coronavirus and all that is taking place. Just take a step back. God is, God is bringing back time and redeeming time with us. He is wanting time with us. Because technology has taken over. And here's the part. In the commentaries even of this scripture, it says, the one commentator said that, I spoke to someone around the advent of the sewing machine. And asked, did it make your job easier? And the person said, no, I can just sew faster. But the detail of that is still in what I do. I can read my emails faster. I can get involved with technology faster. But my time with God, I can't do faster. Because my time with him is what he's asking right now. So when we're looking at seed time and harvest, don't forget that the time is not the waiting period. The time is also spending time with him in the growing and what we're doing. Because when you plant your seed and when you are growing and there is a time factor involved, the harvest can only reap when he says that it's ready to go and to be so. Because sometimes we can also miss our harvest season. Because we've planted too hastily. We didn't plant right. A foundation of any house sizzle is only as best as what the foundation is of the house structure stands. As a Christian, we have seen Christians wobble over this time because unfortunately we did not spend enough time with him. Because God is consistent. He is faithful and he is constant. He will bring what we require. You see, he doesn't get disturbed by what we need. He doesn't get moved by how loud our prayers are. He gets moved by the laws of what he's put in his word and the understanding in his command. You have to activate that. So if you understand that the principle is that seed, time, and harvest requires of that, there's also another law that requires something, that we've got to give away everything we received. Because you've got to cast your bread upon the water, and after many days you're going to find it. You've got to pack in. Now let me explain what some commentators said on that scripture. They said, some commentators understood it like this. In the Nile at the time, the water was at a certain level. And based on that, they had to wait until the waters dropped, took some seed and threw it in the Nile River. It was enough and muddy. Had the goats and sheep come 
and would trample that in the ground, and after a time, would get a crop. And that's how people used to read the scripture as a sowing and reaping. So when I cast my bread on the water, I'm going to yield a return. Some people use that same reference as an investment. When you take your money, you plant it in good soil, you invest into certain properties and certain things and commodities and what you do, and you're able to reap an investment and a return. And those aren't bad things. And some commentators are saying, yes, but there are other scriptures that contradict that now. Because what happens is, that scripture was referenced when Solomon used to send out ships three years at a time. So you would then have bread after you've harvested. You don't have just have grain. Yes, you would put grain on the ship. But there was also bread, and the kind of bread that they would use was a bread that would float on the water. And if you understand this, if you just physically, physically used to take that bread and you put it and it goes onto the ocean, do you know where it's going to return? You can't. The ocean or the water represents what God is saying in terms of after you understand sowing and reaping. But when you start casting your bread, when you put things on into God's hands, you don't know where it's going to go. And you don't expect a return. Because a return, yes, in terms of his principle, will come. But he wants you to sow with less expectation of a return, but more of a reliance on him and what he's able to do. And so when he says in his word, cast your bread, think of this, that in us as, as families, our seed is in our children. And what we do is when we send them out, we don't know what's happening out there in the waters. But we know this thing, that when we put into them everything, God's word, ourselves and what it is, when they return, what happens? And whichever point, whether they're on drugs, whether they go on to certain stuff and their lifestyles is indifferent, we want to protect them. And here's what happens sometimes. When we send our children out, we say, my child, I helped you. I packed your bags. I think of a friend of mine just recently went to Johannesburg. He took his son to Johannesburg, drove him down because he's, he's working there. And I was in touch with him all along the way. And he said, Edel, the biggest thing for me emotionally is to prepare my heart to let my child go. We've been there. Some of us, you're there. Whether it's overseas or locally, that's, that's big as a parent. But what happened is I said to him, how are you doing? And he said, not well. Because I know when I come back, I'm going to cry. And so I was in touch with him when he left from Johannesburg. He, I, I spoke to him four hours into his drive. He never stopped crying. But here's the part. What we do as parents sometimes, when our children go out and do what they need to do, we pack their bags and we go and we say, okay, my child, enjoy your life out there, but I'm also coming with you. My bags is also worth. And that's called smothering and sometimes not mothering. Because now you must understand when you, when you allow your children to do what they need to do, You've put in everything that you needed to put in. You've planted seeds. You need to allow that seed to grow. And it cannot grow when you're just standing in the background. Oh, no, my child, don't do it like that. Oh, oh, my child, you know. And what we do is we stop the growth of what God is wanting to do in their lives. Because when they hit the ditch, when they get bruised, when they get all of those things, it's part of the growth that needs to take place. In God, it happens the same with us. We wander our ways. He looks at us and he says, you're going to come back. 
because I know with whatever you are going through, I am constant, I am consistent, and I am faithful. And in that, I know, like the prodigal son, and we refer the prodigal son to others there, we are also the prodigal children that has returned to God, and he came and he put a beautiful ring on our, sh our, our finger, and he said, well done, I've waited for you, your inheritance is waiting for you. On this earth, what we are seeing is that the world is falling apart because they don't understand that that consistency of God is part of his plan, yes, but also you going through all of these things emotionally for all of us. We've gone through it. God says, I want to be that constant in your life. That when you see and you look back, you see that I've provided even when it was difficult and tough. I've been there for, with you and for you every step of the way. So this particular reference was when Solomon sent out his ships. It took three years for the ships to return. This scripture reference is what? That you don't sow and reap, like I said earlier, to expect a return. But you must understand it will return. This reference, when Solomon was standing on the shores, the testing was in people's hearts. How much of what you're going to give is going to be also what kind of return you're going to receive. Meaning that do I give because I want or do I give because I understand the kingdom of God is at hand and it needs what it needs right now. And we are not just talking finances. We are talking time. We are talking gifts. We are talking skills and ability. We are talking about the fact that when there's a call to pray for us to go on a 21-day fast, that is also casting your bread on the waters. Yeah. And after many days, you will see it come back because of the time we took. Yeah. And we let it out there. Yeah. And God returns it back to us. Mm. Not in terms of the, the sowing and the reaping principle. That's a different principle. That's twofold, sevenfold, tenfold, whatever he determines. That is not determined by us. Yeah. But God will return it based on the measure of our hearts. Because yeah. he weighs us every day. There's a reference in a movie um, that some of us might see, have seen, um, and, the, and the reference is that we've been weighed, we've been found wanting. It's actually a scripture reference. There's a song that somebody sang that I just want to get to quickly because some of us hear these songs, but we don't realize what is in there. Just have to go to my notes now, Sheldon. You see, I went a bit more electronic. There we go. Because I found that our life is still to be worked with paper. The song is quite a popular one. And uh, I listened to it now the other day. And it was quite a nice song to, to sing up with. And it says, I'll read the first part. You'll catch on with it now. I'm going to make a change for once in my life. It's going to feel real good. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to make it right. As I turn up the collar of my favorite winter coat, this wind is blowing my mind. I see the kids in the street without enough to eat. Who am I to be blind, pretending not to see their need? That's the first, line, first paragraph. But here's the chorus line that some of us like. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. And no message could, make, could have been any clearer if you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make the change. So we know that person. If we don't, follow up the chorus line. But there's a scripture reference to that. That says, 
that when we hear God's word and we can turn a blind eye, it's like looking in the mirror and forgetting about the person you just saw. Everything in this kingdom starts with us and our reliance on God. It's not on our leadership, not on our government, not on the things we pick up on social media or the comments of people on YouTube. It depends with us to make the change and to be the change that God wants to see. And the change happens every time when we stand in front of him face to face. That change happens face to face. Because this is what God is calling us as the church to at this season. Is that I want time with you. Because in my consistency of who I am, that I cannot bring that harvest because you don't know what to do with the seed I've given you. Now that we know that with the seed, we have an opportunity to send it back and to cast it out again. Because what we are growing into as people in our communities, as fathers, as mothers, as whatever characteristics God is planting in us, we're giving it back out again. We're casting it on the waters. We are past, and, and here's one reference. commentator says that everything we do has got to do with goodness. The goodness of God. So everything I do in this life, I have a choice to make. Anton shared with us in an elders meeting of something with a lady with a mask. And I thought about this when I prepared it. Because we, we had a choice to respond. And in his heart, he wanted to respond. Oh! But you had to respond in a way where the kingdom of God is saying, Mm-mm, not going to happen. Goodness, kindness, gentleness. The fruits of the spirit just comes out. I had a neighbor call me at quarter to three one morning about my dog. And went on for a half an hour and spoke French to me. And he's not a French-speaking person. <laughs> And I had to listen to him constantly and with one response to say, are you done? <laughs> These things test you. This is where we are right now. We are in a testing phase. But the testing is for what? It's not just for the resources we're going to receive. That's one of it. Not just for the finances. That will happen. Not just because of what we're going to get out of Everything is preparing us and setting us up for the kingdom of God is at hand. Because the bride is coming. He is coming for what? A perfect bride. A church that has been prepared and understand the things of God. That in where we are in every part of the world that is bringing hearts and aligning people together. Whether we see it in Johannesburg, in Australia, New Zealand, USA. Look what is happening on the earth. The tapestry of God has been completing and starting to fulfill and because the kingdom of God is at hand. People will turn away. And Sheldon mentioned this earlier and we're going to preach into this again at some point. We've got to look to what's happening in Israel to start seeing that the signs and symptoms is, and showing us I'm pointing the way. Don't ignore that as a news feed. See what God is doing because when we are casting our bread on the waters as a church, we've got to understand after many days we're going to see the preparation, everything that God has prepared us is for what is to come. The story has been written. Let's go through the testing. It's hard. It's difficult. It's not easy. I'm going to wrap this up. We need to understand that in our prayer lives, for myself and many others, and you've seen the same, you, you feel that you can't just do these little prayers like you did before. 
You can't just find yourself just praying these little drive-by prayers and little things. You, you feel this deeper call of God into your life. You feel this intimate call. And, and it's God wooing us. It's God saying, come, my child, come, come a little closer. And somebody mentioned this, and I think it was Joe who said in our staff meeting, when, um, was, was it your nephew or your, your granddaughter whispered in your ear? And that was such a beautiful illustration because it's that intimacy, and God wants to whisper in our ears. Because you see, this message is for you directly. Not you get the message, now you tell 300 people or 30. It's for you. It's for you. And we're hearing this more and more. God is intimately speaking to us. He's giving us messages because he wants us to do what? To lean in. Just that little moment. Just that little moment. And when we lean in, he speaks to us personally. It's not for us to post it on social media. It's not for us to see how many likes we can get out of this word. It's just for us. When I was in hospital the last few days, I, I had this amazing encounter with God. I just heard God say to me, I just want to spend time with you. And I feel the same right now. In my daily life, in what I do, I feel exactly the same. We find out that when we cast, when we put that chip on, we must have the, this most, most amazing assurance. Even when that ship comes back and I don't get all the spoils, I'm okay. Even when I sow and I don't get any return on earth. You must understand God doesn't forget the principle here. Because you've sowed. And some of us think, but Lord, why didn't this happen to me? Look at the brother's car there and his house and what they're doing. Uh, we're not just sowing for you on earth. We're also sowing for what is eternal. Because if you don't receive your reward here, be assured your reward is waiting. You've got to also make a choice. Are you saying for what you want on earth or for what is eternal? Because that is standing much more. I cannot take with me what is on earth here with me. When, I, when I've done many funerals over time, I've only seen a coffin with a body. I never saw money. I know some people try to bury themselves in their cars. I've seen some, and that's mostly overseas. But um, you can't take this with you. Because what we are sowing and whether we stand in this church and we, we, even where we are as finances, if we decide to put some money into the church's bank account today, and you can do that, and we expect a return, then we are not sowing with a good heart. We need to sow and just say, God, you do what you need to do. Because it's there that your blessing lies. It's there that we see what God is doing. And as I wrap this up, I want to encourage you, as God is faithful, let us be faithful. And yes, we are human. We will fail him. But he calls of us to be faithful to him. Don't call a friend when you are in challenges financially. Don't just go to the bank when you have that. Go to God. I can tell you without fail. My wife and I, can, we share testimony after testimony. Because you know why? When we do that, we take God out of the equation. But it'll, the deadline is today. God knows the deadline. He knows what 11 o'clock is. He's ne yeah, he knows what 50,000, 100,000, 5,500, 50,000. He knows the commodity on earth. But if we haven't learned the patience and we haven't learned the endurance, if we haven't learned the trustworthiness of God and his time, 
when Tracy and I went through things, God spoke to Tracy in particular, and, and at the time, I couldn't hear from God. I heard Tracy said to me, God says, no plan B. Yeah. Only one plan, yeah. which is yeah. his. Please, I'm asking you today, let's not make many plans out of what we're doing. As a church, what I like as a leadership, we don't have a plan. We only have one thing, yeah. going to God. Because we're creative. We can go to the bank. We can go look extensions. We can do a lot of stuff. We can sell. We can, but God is saying, let me prove myself. This is where we are right now. In our own lives and where we're going. The other part is that he's constant. He's asking us to be the same. Do you know why Christians don't get a good rap in terms of business and, and, and commodities and certain things that they deal with? Is that because they're not constant or consistent in what they do. We say one thing and we do another. It's our integrity, we call it, but it's actually a fruit of the Spirit that is requiring of us to be honorable in what we do. And as Christians, this is what God is calling us because God's name has been pulled through the mud because of the way we've dealt with things on earth. And God is restoring His name. Because, uh, why? Because when his name goes out, it's a strong and mighty tower that the righteous, yes, and others can run into. And they are saved. People need to come into this name of the Lord. But in order for them to come in, there's a, the name of the Lord is equated to people, churches, and denominations. He can stand as God and God alone. But it's how we represent him on this earth. That he wants people to come in. All who are heavy laden. The last one that he's asking us as he's consistent to be consistent. And you see this with people. You can say, that person I can depend on. That one, shoo, don't even ask him to bring you a glass of water. It happens. Our, our reputation as Christians is at stake because of what God is doing on this earth. God is preparing the way and he needs righteous people that will stand with a pure heart and clean hands and says before the Lord that I will, Lord, take this torch that you've given us. Yeah. We will run into the community. We will run onto this earth and we will shout from the mountaintops yes. that our God is good yeah. and that he is the answer to all that is happening today. Let's pray. There will be some other things I know that always get shared after the after party at the after party, but I want to just keep this open. Just for a moment, let's pause for a while. As we hear God's word, as, as we are being challenged today, all of us, I've been challenged just even preparing this word. The word of God is very clear that the Lord is our helper that we will not fear. What can man do to us? The Lord is our light, that he is our salvation. Who shall we fear? The Lord is a stronghold in our lives. In whom shall we be afraid? Lord, we thank you that today, as our desire, Father God, is constantly to please you, that as you've beautifully shown us through your word, that there is seed, there's time and harvest. And when we reap this harvest that you're preparing us, that we need to take that harvest and to cast it and to put it out there again so that you can fulfill what you need to do on this earth. 
And that's the challenge for us, Lord. So there's a preparation period in our own hearts that as we're going through this very difficult time and we cannot even see what the future holds, that we just rest in you. That we find our peace in you because you are constant. That's what you're calling us to right now. We pray that this peace of God that surpasses all understanding will be our portion and our guide. That this peace of God will guard our hearts and protect us and lead us and guide us and give us peace. That this peace of God will give us a time of refreshing, a time of just leaning into you as you will just want to talk to us in a more intimate way. That technology and all the beauty around it is also taking away what God wants to spend with us. He's calling us back. You are calling us back, Lord. Help us to restructure our lives in the next few days as we have these prayer watches and as we see that we're going to continue to go into a time of, of fasting and not grumbling, that you're asking us just for intimate moments with you. Let us be disciplined enough in the next few days to prepare for this month that lies ahead because it's in this coming closer to you that we will be more and more and more refined, in tune, and attentive. There's a call for calmness in the midst of the storm. Direction and guidance. Because you have so much in store for us. But we're just waiting for the next wave and the next wave. And we're not talking corona, even with God's blessing. And God is saying, hold. Let, us, let me just hold this for you for a moment. It's in the waiting. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Errol. Beautiful, beautiful word this morning. So, does anyone have an after party? Ilana's got an after party. There's always someone that'll add something to things here. Come on, go for it. Yeah. Just have to talk into this so that they can hear you. Uh, hi, everyone. Thank you, Errol. That was incredible. Thank you. It was um, life giving. Yeah. I am my after party. I stole my after party from somewhere. <coughs> I'm duplicating something. Um, so last week I heard um, I heard one, someone say that the storm out in the world, there's a storm, right? But the storm doesn't have to be in us. And it really, it really like woke me up to the fact that I've allowed the storm in the world to reside in me. And, um, and this person was saying um, that the devil is, at this very time, accusing the brethren. He's the accuser, right? And so his tactic at this moment is to divide and to split up and to come among God's people and to destroy. But we need to know that there's no storm in the kingdom of God. Okay? And we are in the kingdom of God. And this lady, what she did was, it was so powerful. She said, you know that saying like, talk to the hand. <laughs> and she said, she literally said, when you hear the accuser, you go, Satan, talk to the hand. Like literally be so aware of what the accuser is trying to do. Because it's through these accusations that we want to turn on each other. Because we're making stories in our minds. 
um, we want to judge others, and it's within our own people. Like it's among our own people, in our own families, in our church, in the kingdom that we want to. We listen to what the accuser is saying, and then we start making our own judgments, and we come against our own people. And that is when the storm just keeps raging and raging. So we've got to be so open and aware that, yes, there's a storm, and we acknowledge the storm, but the storm is not in us. And it's a decision we have to make to have that peace and to stay in peace and to say to Satan, talk to the hand whenever he comes with accusations. And so that's what I wanted to share. Awesome, eh? Fantastic. Yeah, that's good, eh? God is at work. I just, I just see Jude sitting here, you know, and God is doing in the midst of all the chaos. Friday night, Jude was let loose on our youth and prophesying and speaking life over them, you know. And for me, for what we've walked through in the last two years, to see my 13-year-old wants to be here on a Friday night, so we've not forced that, and Jude calls her out and prophesies over her, and I saw another couple out here, and we're trying to be sneaky in how we find out from them. You know, how was youth? Fine. What happened? Ah, the usual. But now I know Matt's outside going, the guys are lying on the floor. It's freaking amazing. There's things happening here. And I know it's happened. It's good because Matt came out like raving, you know. And that, but what you spoke over her, you know, and just that little thing. You see, God is working. When all the chaos is happening, He's working. Even in our children, you know, and the prophetic is something that unlocks something in their hearts and lives, and we hold on to that. So be encouraged. The verse that came to me a couple of weeks about what you preached about is that the Lord's reigns on the righteous and the unrighteous. His blessing is on the just and the unjust. It was like, we've seen that, you know, so, so it means that God has principles and he has laws. So if you operate with these principles when it comes to finances, you can be unrighteous and still be blessed. But when you operate by his principles but know the love of his law, the law of his love, when you are blessed, the words that you will say when you operate just by his principles go, look what I did. Look what I've achieved. Look what I got. But when you operate with those principles, with the love of the law of the Lord, and know his commandments, you'll say, look what he did. And you carry that into eternity which is far beyond. So that was an after-after party of what God is doing here. So we bless you today. It's been amazing to kind of be together again. But I'm going to ask you all to unmute, and, uh, and we can do a little wave. I can't turn the computer around to wave at everybody and stuff. So let's just unmute and maybe say goodbye. Turn your videos on, everybody. Come on, and you can just wave and uh, say a cheers to everybody. Nice to see you, Robin, Christine, Patty, the Witchells. Yeah, that's fantastic. Bob and Pat, great to see you guys. Blessings. Love you all. Okay, we love you all. We'll see you soon. Yeah. Cheers, guys. <laughs>